Abraham's wife Sarah said God made her laugh. Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Warren Jeffs, the leader of the FLDS polygamy group, had warned his people not to be light-minded or to laugh because when they open their mouths to laugh, the Holy Spirit might escape. (laughs) You know, it's a gloomy religion that won't even allow laughter in the homes and families of their members. Maybe Warren Jeffs thought that if they laughed too much that he would (laughs) lose control over their gloomy lives. But there are really too many people who see laughter and enjoyment of life as being non-spiritual or ungodly. They believe that a person cannot enjoy life and and laugh and have fun and still be pleasing to God. But then again, maybe Warren Jeffs just read the Mormon Doctrine and Covenants and then embellished on what it said about laughter. Yeah, this is the Doctrine and Covenants section 59 verses 14 and 15. Verily, this is fasting and prayer, or in other words, rejoicing in prayer. And inasmuch as you do these things with thanksgiving, with cheerful hearts and countenances, not with much laughter, for this is sin, but with a glad heart and a cheerful countenance. (laughs) You know, it's really difficult to understand how we can have cheerful and glad hearts and countenances without having laughter. And why is much (laughs) laughter a sin? Obviously, what they're laughing at or what we're laughing at would decide the correct answer to that question. But the context here is thanksgiving, prayer, and rejoicing. But make sure you don't laugh. We have another quote from the Doctrine and Covenants. Yeah, section 88, verse 69. Remember the great and last promise which I have made unto you. Cast away your idle thoughts and your excess of laughter far from you. So again, we, we wonder how much laughter is excess. Is it the excess that's wrong or is what we're laughing at that makes it a sin? Uh, the text doesn't say, but it does tell us not to laugh and not to laugh in excess. And we have one more quote from yeah, the Doctrine and Covenants. Doctrine Covenant, section 88, verse 121. Therefore, cease from all your light speeches, from all laughter, from all your lustful desires, from all your pride and light-mindedness, and from all your wicked doings. So here, Joseph Smith is is combining laughter with the sins of pride and lust and wicked doings. Um, And again, the context is important, but laughter resulting from joy and God, even from everyday life, is not a sin. Modern-day prophets on Mormonism are prone to take from a previous teaching and then embellish on it, and then according to their own prejudices, turn it into something that was really never initially intended. And Warren Jeffs obviously embellished on this. And the idea that the Holy Spirit will escape when we open our mouths to laugh, so I wonder what happened when they yawn. You know, make sure you cover real tight. Or when they sleep with their mouths hanging open and they can't cover their mouths. But anyway, laughing is actually an emotional and, and healthy physical activity. And the Bible never says not to laugh. You know, I was listening to a radio program one day and someone quoted Sarah, Abraham's wife, when she gave birth to Isaac. She said, God has brought me laughter. And I asked myself a question, does God bring me laughter? Hmm. And then I thought of something else. I have never heard a plural wife say, God has made me laugh. They are more likely to be heard saying, God has given me a hard and difficult life 
life or God has given me too many hard trials to go through, but I have heard none of them say, God has made me laugh. This is the scripture. This is where Sarah says it in Genesis 21, verse 6. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. So for the context, Sarah had had her baby in her old age. She was 90 years old, a baby that God had promised them 25 years earlier. And during those 25 years of waiting, Sarah, not God, had given her personal maid Hagar to Abraham, her husband, for his concubine. And a lot of grief and animosity and quarreling and jealousy entered into her household. God never told Sarah to give Hagar to her husband. She did that on her own, and it produced disaster not laughter, but God is the God of redemption and of a new life and of joy and rejoicing and the God of second chances. And after all the pain and torment with Hagar, God still made Sarah laugh. He even told them to name their son Isaac, which means laughter. Isn't that fun? Isaac means laughter in Hebrew. God really meant it, that they should laugh. They should enjoy the fulfillment of his promise. A point I'd like to mention is that Joseph Smith's doctrine of plural marriage includes phrases like doing the works of Abraham and obeying the law of Sarah. But it is so twisted because actually Sarah got the last laugh, didn't she? And the works of Abraham's polygamy was nullified because in Galatians it says this. Yeah, Galatians 4 verse 30, but what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave's woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. So doing the works of Abraham would actually require every polygamous man to set their plural wives free, provide for them, and let them go. It's odd that the polygamy groups don't tell the complete story. Those who are in polygamy groups or who are plural wives, we would like to ask you, has God brought you laughter? Now, this question isn't asking if you've heard a funny joke or a story or, or something your children or grandchildren did or said to make you laugh. The question is, has God made you laugh? Do you enjoy God? Do you laugh with God? He does have an infinite sense of humor. In fact, it's he who created laughter and a sense of humor. Instead of God-centered joy and laughter, Joseph Smith's mandatory polygamy has brought thousands of both men and women to tears. Now, please don't misunderstand. We're not saying or even implying that plural wives don't laugh or that they don't have times of great enjoyment. That is not at all what we're suggesting. Our question is, has God made you laugh? Or is God to you just a tough and strict taskmaster? I've never heard a plural wife say that God has brought her laughter. Because the fruits of plural marriage doesn't make for a full life of joy, rejoicing, and laughter with God. Which is sad. Because in God's kingdom, there is much joy, rejoicing, and laughter. We want to share of uh, of a few of the special promises of God with you. And then compare them with some comments from plural wives of Mormon polygamy. And we'll begin in Isaiah. Yeah, chapter 1, verse 3. 61, verse 3, I'm sorry. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. But you know what? There wasn't this experience in Mitt Romney's great-great-great-grandmother who was commanded to share her husband. There was no exchange of gladness for mourning in her experience, only a continuing spirit of despair, we quote. This is from her autobiography on page 4. 
Heber C. Kimball told my husband to take another wife. The next week, President Young met him and said, Brother Miles, I want you to take another wife. I felt that was more than I could endure. I used to walk the floor and shed tears of sorrow. If anything will make a woman's heartache, it is for her husband to take another wife. And she, like most other plural wives, could not say that God made her laugh. We have another verse from the Bible to help make our point. It comes from Ecclesiastes. Chapter 5, verse 20. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with a gladness of heart. Notice it's God who yeah. keeps him occupied with the gladness of heart. Obviously, polygamy can't do that. Again, please know we're not saying plural wives do not have times of joy and happiness and gladness. That's not our point at all. It is, is it God who makes you laugh? The next verse is one that former plural wives who have discovered the love and the loveliness of God and have realized God does keep his promises from Jeremiah. Yeah, this is great. 31 verse 13, I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. That's a beautiful promise. Yeah. And because it is God who said, Jesus who said, the truth sets us free, free to enjoy God, free to enjoy life. Some plural wives have even had the opportunity to become free to enjoy monogamy. God has turned their sorrowful life of polygamy into comfort and joy. And they have learned that the true God really has no resemblance to the gloomy and grumpy God that they are taught about in polygamy. We have a few more quotes from miserable plural wives who could not have said, God has made me laugh. Carolyn Jessup escaped from plural marriage in the FLDS, and she wrote a book entitled Escape. She recounted her experience being forced into a plural marriage to a 50-year-old member of the group when she was barely 18, 18. years old. And as one of, of six of the man's wives, she soon discovered a way of self-preservation. We quote, the only way to protect myself in my marriage was by remaining of sexual value to him. Sex was the only currency I had to spend in my marriage. Every polygamous wife knows that. A woman who possesses a high sex status with her husband has more power over his other wives. If she becomes unattractive to him, she's on dangerous ground, usually winding up as a slave to the dominant wife. Now, that's the, probably the truth. Uh, pretty know. close to the truth. It is, and, and it isn't God who does this into per people's lives. Polygamy does it, but polygamy is not from God. He he brings laughter and joy and fulfillment, not this kind of treatment. You know, in polygamy, the phrase "better off dead" is a, quite a concept that we find, especially in early Mormon polygamy. There was a book entitled "The Women of Mormonism: The Story of Polygamy as Told by Their Victims." And it is it's filled with firsthand uh, comments of uh, accounts of suffering by wives in early Mormon polygamist households. We want to quote one in particular. Yeah, this is Jenny, how do you say that? Freuseth, I believe. The Women of Mormonism. The house was a perfect hell, and every polygamous household is, wrote one woman. I defy any man or woman in the Utah Territory to cite one instance of a polygamous household where there is anything approaching harmony, where there is not bickering, constant jealousy and heartaches, even where the semblance of good relations is most rigidly observed. Yet God says in Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, this kind of rejoice, 
of rejoicing is absent in the households and marriages of Mormon polygamy. And every single book written by former plural wives that I've read, and I've read a lot of the books, not one time did I read that any of them said, God has made me laugh. That's not to say they weren't trying to please God, because most of them were trying to please God. And with a very great zeal, they try to live a life that's pleasing to God. But Romans chapter 10 tells us that they have zeal without knowledge, because living polygamy, no matter how hard they try, does not what pleases God. When God makes us laugh, it indicates that we are having the personal relationship with Him that He desires us to have, and and He wants to have with us, sure. and in fact, that we're enjoying our relationship with God. That's what pleases God, not polygamy. And you know, a concept like that, <laughs> to be if I had been taught that as a child, I would it would be hard to believe, yeah. because our relationship with God is one of fear and terror, not of joy and rejoicing. And you lived with that even after you left mm-hmm. polygamy. Didn't oh yeah, you? God couldn't. God was not a laughing God. Huh? <laughs> and and now we have another quote for an upset from an upset and very sorrowful plural wife. Yeah, this is from Mormon polygamy from Richard Van Wagoner. Mary Ann Angel Young, Brigham Young's second wife, said, God will be very cruel if he does not give us poor women adequate compensation for the trials we have endured in polygamy. Now, I <laughs> think she was his, yeah, it does sum it up, doesn't it? And, and, and obviously God is cruel um, in, in, the, in the doctrine of polygamy in her mind. And of course, she was one of his first wives. I think she was his second wife. Yeah, so. And so she saw him add wife after what, up to 55 plural wives. And of course, Brigham Young was the king of Mormon polygamy. We have another quote from Ann Eliza Young. It is the very refinement of cruelty, this polygamy, and it hurts, and it hurts are deeper and more poisonous than any other wounds can be. They never heal, but grow constantly more painful until it makes life unendurable. Now, these women can't say, God has brought me laughter. And we share these quotes because we care about the plural wives who experience pain and loneliness because they believe that what they've been taught from the cradle, clear, going clear back to Joseph Smith, that God requires polygamy for celestial glory and that he will destroy you if you don't comply. I was raised in a miserable polygamist home. I saw this misery firsthand, not only in our own home, but also in several different households. Now, of course, all polygamist homes aren't the same. We're not trying to say that. But we are saying that plural marriage is not what shows like sister wives would have us believe. Even Brigham Young admitted that plural wives of early Mormon polygamy were not happy. We've quoted this full quote before, but we want to quote part of it again because it's so relevant. Yeah, and it's out of the Journal of Discourses, Volume 4. As it is frequently happening that women say they are unhappy, men will say, my wife, though a most excellent woman, has not seen a happy day since I took my second wife. No, not a happy day for a year, says one, and another has not seen a happy day for five years. It is said that women are tied down and abused, that they are misused and have not the liberty they ought to have, that many of them are wading through a perfect flood of tears. 
So how can they say that the early Mormon polygamists were having happy, harmonious homes and they all got along so well and loved it? I hear this all the time. Yeah, and this is the prophet speaking. This is the prophet speaking and, 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 and it's proof right there that yeah. they weren't happy. They couldn't say, God has made me laugh. None of these plural wives could say that instead <clears throat> because God is used as the whip to enforce plural marriage. They say, God has made me miserable when it wasn't God at all who forced polygamy into Mormonism. And Sarah Pratt, who suffered through her husband, Orson Pratt's reckless plural marriages, in a brutally honest statement, said that polygamy completely demoralizes good men and makes bad men correspondingly worse. Mm -hmm. And as far as the women, she said, God help them. Polygamy makes them desperate, heartbroken creatures and she would know because she suffered through Joseph Smith's pioneer Mormon polygamy. We have one more quote to share on this topic. Oh, this is from Fanny Stenhouse. One day the conversation happened to turn upon polygamy and in a moment I saw that all her trouble arose from that miserable doctrine and from that alone. We had not exchanged many words upon the subject when she exclaimed, Oh, how I hate polygamy. God forgive me, but I cannot help it. I do hate it. I've read <laughs> quotes like that from several different sources. Mm. And, and they, they ask for God's forgiveness because they think that God gave the command for polygamy. And the fact that they're not happy with it or struggling with it means that they're not it's their fault. It's right. their fault. Not, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But you know what? Jesus invited us to come to him and exchange our heavy burdens for his light yeah. burden. Polygamy is not a doctrine from God, but a heavy burden from Joseph Smith and all the others who have followed after him. Section 132, which is the doctrine of polygamy, clearly it has in its own text the threat of a God who cannot bring you laughter, we quote. Yeah, verses 20, 52 and 54. <laughs> And let my handmaid, Emma Smith, receive all those that have been given unto my servant Joseph, and who are virtuous and pure before me. And those who are not pure, and have said they were pure, shall be destroyed, saith the Lord God. And I command mine handmaid, Emma Smith, to abide and cleave unto my servant Joseph, and to none else. But if she will not abide this commandment, she shall be destroyed, saith the Lord. For I am the Lord thy God, and will destroy her if she abide not in my law. Now, this isn't so the God. The, yeah, it's, it's so, so ugly, sad. isn't it? It is. it is sad. They can't say God has made me laugh. They're fearful that God's going to destroy them if they don't like this polygamy or if they want to resist it or, or whatever, then they are afraid of a God who will destroy her, not that God has brought me laughter. No. And as we say many times on our program, um, the polygamists, in fact, all of Mormonism has falsely attacked God's character. They have taught that he is someone that he isn't. The very fact that Joseph Smith used God as a tool to threaten his wife into submitting into his polygamy is proof enough of my statement. And the leaders of today's polygamy groups are teaching that what Joseph Smith taught and their God uh, continues to teach their God who brings cruelty and fear and tears. The fruits of the men who have followed in Joseph Smith's footsteps have done some horrendous things in the name of God and have made some pretty stupid remarks about him and about polygamy. We want to quote a few from Warren Jeffs 
on violence, he said this. I want to remind you what the prophets have taught us, that whenever a man of God is commanded to kill another man, he is never bloodthirsty. Now, obviously, Warren Jeffs is talking about Brigham Young's blood atonement doctrine there. It's yeah. his justification right. of blood atonement. And we've heard people say that Warren Jeffs actually ordered a few blood atonement murders in mm. his uh, time as leadership. And, of course, many, many years ago, if you remember the Lafferty brothers, sure. they killed the, the mother and her yeah. child because she wouldn't submit to polygamy. So, And the, and the Mormon temple had their... Uh, their ritual where they oh, would sure. slit from ear to ear, which was the blood atonement doctrine that, that Warren Jeffs brought. But they're not bloodthirsty, no. Warren Jeffs says. And we also found a list of the five of the creepiest comments made by polygamist Warren Jeffs. And with the links beneath the quotes, we want to share them yeah, with you. Here's number five. <laughs> you ladies just don't know how men out in the world are. <laughs> Obviously, trying to frighten them away from the outside world. Unfortunately, many ladies in polygamy do not realize how abusive men within their polygamy group really are because they have no point of reference. Yeah. The FLDS and other polygamy groups have more than their fair share of pedophiles and peck, the pecking order of the men and the forced submission of females and sexual abuse. And it's too bad that the ladies he was talking to would never likely know the sweet relationship that a man from the world outside of their group could give her in monogamy. We have the fourth, fourth creepiest, creepiest, fourth runner-up here. Yeah. <laughs> you have been trained to keep your body covered from others when I am not present. You need to be as comfortable undressed as dressed when you are around each other. Now, Warren, this is creepy. Yeah. This is kind of icky. Well, that's why it's one of the creepiest what's the quotes. Context? Yeah. <laughs> the context is he's teaching his plural wives, and he would teach them in groups. And so some uh, two or three of these quotes are quotes that he taught them that was on audio tape uh, while they were in group sessions with him. And so what he did was he turned them into orgies. Mm -hmm. and, and But he would say it was from God. It's heavenly fire and it's all this other nonsense. But uh, this is telling them that they're, you know, they should run around naked in front of each other. Oh, boy. The third. <laughs> oh, I am very merry. And all I'm interested in is learning more of the Spirit and your relationship with me is for that very thing. And we will be together to feel the heavenly fire accomplish the Lord's love and nothing else. And so again, he's he's still speaking. I don't know if it's a different session or the same yeah. one, but he's speaking to several of his plural wives uh, together in a group session. And of course, he would be merry, wouldn't he? You know, he's fulfilling his yeah. fantasies or whatever they were. Um, and of course, that included forced sex. That included sex with 12-year-old virgins and, and teaching as he taught them how to please him while others of his wives were watching. Sheesh. Number two, verily thus saith the Lord unto yeah, that's so crazy. But thus saith the Lord unto you, my servant Warren, I the Lord thy God look upon thee at this time, and my smile shines upon thee, and these my daughters who are with me. 
Again, uh, you know, what can we say that's not been said? Just like Joseph Smith did, I think I'll mention here, Warren Jeffs put words into God's mouth, and he used a fake mimic of the King James Bible language, which also Joseph Smith did. Makes it sound credible. Making it sound credible, yes. Um, and, And he's saying, he's actually making God pleased with the orgies that he's having with those plural wives. And here's the top of the creepiest quotes. How can the Spirit of God be here if there's something wrong here? So, (laughs) it's kind of self-justification. Very self-justification, exactly right. And the Spirit of God, of course, he said was there while they were having all of their interactions with each other. And I guess maybe that's what he said was making them feel so good. I don't know. But he always brought God into his evil actions. And I can only say the Spirit of God was not present because there was something very wrong there. And and Warren Jeffs did say, which is not one of his creepiest quotes, but he did say, which I think is the truest man, words that that man ever spoke, that if the world knew what I was doing, they would hang me from the highest tree. <laughs> Probably the truest thing he ever said. (laughs) Probably the truest thing he ever said. And you know what I find interesting is at that point, we know that he knew he was breaking the law. Oh, sure. You know, and they use the the excuse that, well, God commands that we're living our religion uh, and God wants us to do this. And he used, as you can see, he brought God into all of these quotes that this is what God wanted him to do. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, he knew he was doing wrong because if yeah. he got caught, look what would happen to him. Look what would happen? One of the things I think is so interesting about this, if you, sometimes we just read history and other things, and we really don't put ourselves back into those situations. But when you think about people taking 12-year-olds or even 15-year, 16, 17-year-old girls, and they're 50 or 60 years old, the only thing that can be running through their mind is is sex and lust. I mean, it isn't. There's no spiritual purpose to it, no real religious reason to do it. And you just wonder how that occupies their mind and and what kind of a thought process they're going through to make these selections and to, mm-hmm. to get these girls in, in these young ages. I've, I've often wondered that, especially when you see a polygamous man taking so many wives. Yeah. They, they just must sit all day long and plan their... Yeah, look for I mean, we guys other have, wives. We guys have certain whatever we have, I guess, but it just seems so strange that they would occupy themselves in this way and just uh, be so lustful that mm-hmm. they would take wife after wife after wife. And that has to dominate their thoughts. Yeah, it does. I've talked to a couple of people, uh, ladies from the Kingston group, where they were they married to their husband, and their husband goes out and dates and looks for another wife while she's there. You know, uh-huh. she will be there. There'll be a church or a function or something, and he's out looking who who's going to be yeah shopping around <laughs> while she's watching. And I says, well, doesn't that doesn't that really undermine you who you are? Yeah. Uh, and she, uh, she, you know, 
can't imagine the hurt, yeah. the hurt that it makes them I can't, feel. I can't imagine that being that first wife and watching that second one. Watching the them, group. yeah. That's, and it's so terrible. it's got to dominate their thoughts and their yeah. minds. Yeah. So thank you, Earl. You thank bet. you very much. Uh, we hope that God has made you laugh. Uh, and God wants to live, uh, wants us to have a life where we enjoy a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and where, where we can say, God has brought me laughter. I wish my own mother could have known the deep, quiet, comforting, sublime joy of depending completely on Jesus Christ for eternal life rather than on polygamy and all her religious works. Polygamy cannot mediate the relationship with God that he has created us to have. Faith and trust in Jesus Christ is what we need because no good relationship can exist without trust. Polygamy is not based on trust, but on a false belief that celestial glory is gained through polygamy and a deep humiliation that is forced upon the female as she is commanded to keep sweet for a God that cannot bring her laughter. Like Sarah said, God made her laugh. The choice is clear. Choose Jesus. Thanks for watching. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.